Take your Bibles and let's go to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 7. Back to the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter number 7. This morning I want to talk to you on this thought and this, this theme this morning of deciding to share the good news. Deciding to share the good news. And I want to use this passage in 2 Kings today to take some thoughts from. We have spent the last several weeks, or the majority of the last several weeks, introducing to us our theme for 2023. Love, serve, and reach. Thus far we've covered love. Uh, We've had three different messages on love. Uh, We considered the thought of love defined, and we used the text out of Mark chapter 12, uh, where where the Lord uh, tells us and quotes from the Old Testament that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we defined that uh, through that passage of Scripture. And then we looked at love displayed out of John chapter number 3, verses 1 through 16, This encounter that Jesus has with the religious leader named Nicodemus culminating with that great verse, for God so loved the world. And then we saw out of Luke chapter number 10, love in deed or love in action. How we can get our love in action there and we studied the good Samaritan out of Luke chapter number 10. That led us to our second word, serve. Now love is the first in order and it's Basically, the foundation to this theme, when our love is correct, everything else will fall in the proper order, in the proper way. And when you love God correctly and we love others correctly, the service will follow. And we talked about out of Romans chapter 12 in two different messages. First of all, that service is reasonable. Uh, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And because of the mercies of God, and because of the, 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 the calling of God, and God's perfect will in our life, and because of the gifts that he's blessed us with, it is reasonable that we would serve him. And then we studied a little bit deeper In Romans chapter 12, verses 2 through 21, last Sunday, on pleasing God or pleasing self. Am I going to live my life for me, or am I going to live my life for God? So this morning, I want us to get into this third aspect, this third word of our theme, the word reach. And we'll introduce it today, and next Sunday, I'll conclude it. March 5th, we have a guest speaker with us, Jeremy Rowland. He is a, the director of Baptist Church Planning Ministries, a ministry we support here at Heritage and our missions. And uh, Baptist church planters, they assist church planters and the local churches those church planters are out of. And we're going to be talking on that Sunday, on both the morning and the evening, as Jeremy and Baptist Church Planning Ministry will be assisting Heritage Baptist Church as we have the privilege of starting another church out of Heritage this fall in where's it going to Orenmore, Ireland, with Sean and Andrew, or excuse me, Andrew and Sean Canavan, and uh, we're excited for Andrew and Sean. They're going to be planning this church uh, this October over in Orenmore, and Jeremy is going to be going over there to assist them. And so we're going to be talking about as our church family on the fifth, 
And then on the 12th of March, we're getting back into our series of messages of, of, out of the book of Psalms. This is my story. This is my psalm. And many of you have asked me, Pastor, let it me know when you're preaching out of Psalm 23. Well, put it on your calendar. March 12th is the day we're planning on preaching out of Psalm 23. Looking forward to that. But this morning, let's consider this thought of deciding to share the good news. Let's read our text this morning out of 2 Kings chapter 7. Follow along with me, verse 1, down through verse 16. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, or a assistant on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, and then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we will die also. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria... Behold, there was no man there, for the Lord had made a, the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. When these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither the voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied in the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry, therefore they are gone out into the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we will catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, let, us, let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are all as the multitude of Israel that they are left in. Behold, I say they are even as all the multitude of Israelites that are consumed, and let us send and see. They took therefore two chariots, horses, and the kings sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went 
after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we look into this passage of Scripture and consider this this thought of deciding to share the good news. Lord, I pray that we'd be burdened about our, our witness, about reaching out to those around us with the gospel message. And Lord, I pray that you would guide us as we study these words from your Bible. Lord, work in our hearts and our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a little background and a little context of what we've read this morning. If you were in our series of messages on Sunday nights here, oh, several months ago, we were studying the kings of Israel and Judah. And if you remember, after King Solomon, Israel divided into two separate nations. Uh, there was a northern kingdom of ten tribes known as the kingdom of Israel. And then there were two tribes that were a southern kingdom made up of these two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and they became known as the nation of Judah. And so we're at a time here where we're reading about the nation of Israel, and it's after they have divided. There are two different nations, a northern kingdom Israel and a southern kingdom Judah. And this is about the nation of Israel, this northern kingdom. Now, the, the, the two nations... Uh, Judah was a, a more godly nation overall. They had several kings that were really good and godly kings and led the nation to continue to worship God. But the nation of Israel was a kingdom that had multiple kings that led the nation in idolatrous worship, uh, led them in pagan worship, to worship false gods. And uh, there wasn't any of their kings, in fact, that were good or godly kings. And at the present in our study here, they're ruled by a man named King Joram, or you may see his name written as King Jehoram at times. And he is the son of King Ahab. You may have heard of him, one of the most wicked kings that has ever lived, and certainly the worst of all the kings of Israel, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. You've heard of her, right? Jezebel. And so Jehoram is from these ungodly parents, and he is an ungodly king. And during his reign, God is judging them, and they're in a famine. Israel is suffering a famine, and they're in the capital city of Samaria. And uh, not only are they in a famine, they're also being in a siege from the Syrians. A siege is when a nation or an army comes up against another nation or a city and they don't go in and invade them, but they go and they surround them, not allowing anybody to go into the city and no one to come out of the city. And so eventually all that's within that city walls begins to fade away. So you've got a famine where there's, there's no rain, it's, it's hot, nothing's growing, nothing's lasting, and no one's able to go in or out. And the people of Israel, the people of Samaria specifically, are in a very difficult time. It is a, a very trying time. In fact, what I want to do today is I want to give you three words as I continue to describe what is going on here in this passage of Scripture. We want to consider the word dangerous this morning. 
Number two, the word delightful. And then number three, the word decision. Dangerous, delightful, and decision. These were dangerous and difficult days, but in the midst of those dangerous days, we learn of some delightful news and then a decision that had to be made in spite of, or in, in, in the light, uh, light of that news they received. The dangerous days. How bad did it get during this siege and during this famine? Turn back with me to chapter number six, if you will. In chapter number six, we learn a little bit about this famine and this siege and what's going on inside the gates of Samaria. Look at verse 24 of chapter six. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered up all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. That's the capital city of Israel. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. How bad did it get? Well, they're talking here in verse number 25 that it's gotten so bad that they're taking a donkey, not typically your prime meat-bearing animal, Uh, Certainly it could be used for that, but it wasn't typical. In fact, in the law, the the Jews were not to eat of of this type of an animal. But they have this donkey, and they've butchered it, and they're taking the head of this donkey, and they're selling it for 80 pieces of silver. Now, that may not mean a lot to us, but according to all the Bible books and scholars that I've studied and read, this means inflation has gone through the roof. Uh, this is a, this is an extremely high price for a very low quality piece of meat bearing uh, flesh there. What are they going to do with the head of a donkey? Maybe boil it? Maybe get a little bit of meat out of it? Maybe eat some of those parts of it in there? But it's certainly not going to be something that is great sustaining and certainly not worth the 80 pieces of silver. This is recorded for us to show us how expensive things have gotten because they're lacking meat, they're lacking food. Now they're selling even the head of a donkey, something that would have never been butchered before and something that would have never been sold before now is selling for a high price. He goes on to describe even a dove, the waste of a dove is being sold for how much? I think five pieces of silver. The waste, the dung of this dove. It says a cab. It's about a quart's worth of waste. Now, the the waste could be used for multiple reasons. They they used it to start fires or as fuel for fires. But there's also recordings of of people and, and cities and nations that have gone through famine and gone through without that where they have resorted to consuming waste. To live. And again, what is this doing to us? It's showing us how bad things are. It's showing us how difficult things have gotten there in Samaria. It's showing how how awful life is at the moment. And then it gets worse. It gets far worse. In verses 26 down through 29, I'm not going to read it this morning, and I'm going to be careful how much I comment on it. 
But let me just say that there are people now resorting to cannibalism. There are people that, even mothers, taking their own child and resorting to cannibalism. Now listen, when the Bible records something like this, it's not to condone it. It's again just showing us how low man has gotten. How depraved man has gotten. How difficult and dangerous these days that these people were living in. The situation there is dangerous, it's difficult, it's dire. These are desperate days. Now let me remind us this morning. This was thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. This is far removed from our culture, from our way of thinking. But let me remind you that the scripture does tell us that in the last days, we're going to live in what the Bible calls perilous times. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, perilous times. You know what that word perilous means? It means dangerous. It means difficult. It means fierce. We are living in days that are dangerous days, church. I mentioned it to Kaylin a moment ago and this dedication that she's living in some days. She's going to raise that child in some days that the Bible describes as perilous, dangerous, difficult. You live in dangerous days. You say, Pastor, we're not going hungry. We don't have, uh, uh, we're not doing without. No one's put a siege around us. Amos the prophet in Amos chapter 8 predicts this for us. Prophesies these thoughts. That there will come a day when there will be a famine. Not a famine for food, but a famine for hearing the word of God. And church, if we're not in that day, we're very, very, very close to those days. When there are more and more people that are rejecting the word of God, they're rejecting the ways of God, the things of God. We live in a day when people are saying no to the word of God, will not endure sound doctrine, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. As I said, if we're not there, we're very, very close. We live in dangerous days. It may not hit us like it was there in the same fashion, but I can guarantee you and I can promise you these are dangerous days that we're living in. Back to our text in 2 Kings chapter 7, not only were these dangerous days, in the midst of those dangerous days, there's some delightful news that shows up. It starts there in chapter number 7 with the prophecy from Elisha. Elisha gives this prediction that in 24 hours, tomorrow about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Again, in the context, he's saying the prices of things are going to come back down to a more normal level. These are typical prices of what things would cost in that day. And he says, about this time tomorrow, we're going to get back into this this level. There's going to be a sale tomorrow. How many of you are old enough to remember the blue light specials at Kmart? Yeah, there's going to be a blue light shining there at the gate of Samaria tomorrow. Fine flour and barley is going to be on sale tomorrow like you haven't seen in a long time. And immediately he's met with what? Doubt. Questions. I don't know about that, Elisha. Look at verse number two. 
Then a lord on whose hand the king leaned. This is an assistant to the king of, of Israel. This is King Jehoram's assistant, one of his men. And he, he says, answered the man of God, answered Elisha and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? In other words, is God just going to pour down uh, 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 flour and barley from the skies? And so Elisha says, he says, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. This man here, he, he's not just doubting the messenger of God, but he's doubting the power of God. He's doubting the ways of God. And I want to remind us today, church, in spite of living in dangerous days, let me remind you, we've got good news. We've got a word of God. We've got the, uh, the Bible today that is full of promises that we can claim. Oh, I thank God of the promise of salvation. That we can know for sure that our sins are forgiven, that our sins have been taken away, that, that we have a home in heaven. Aren't you grateful for the promise of salvation? I'm grateful for the promise of sustaining grace. God's grace is enough for us for every situation that he'll allow us to go through. I'm grateful for the promise of provision. In Philippians chapter 4, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now let me remind you on that provision. Provision does not mean prosperity. Uh, you know, Elisha here, the man of God, the prophet of God, guess where he lived? He lived near Samaria. Guess what he was enduring? He was enduring the, the famine. He was enduring the siege. Things were probably were not difficult or were not easy for him. They were probably just as difficult for him. But he has this promise that God will provide for those that love God, that serve God, that obey God. God promised that those that will follow him, obey him, he will meet their needs. What's described for us here in chapter 6, again, I've never been anywhere close to that in my life. Uh, God has been so good to me through the years. Um, you know, I, I've heard different preachers talk about when they were in Bible college, maybe as a young married couple, and going out to their mailbox and, 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 and checks or money being in their mailbox right at the time they needed them, uh, you know, just providing for them in miraculous ways. And, and to be honest with you, I've not had a whole lot of times in my life where I needed those type of things. I can remember one time when we were uh, young married and we had, I don't even know if we had both boys yet, I guess we did, both our boys with their babies and, and uh, just a busy time in our life, a busy season and, and Rachel went to the cupboards one day to make something for supper that evening and, and, and she's like, I got nothing for supper. And I said, what do you mean you have nothing for supper? And she walked over to me. She gave me a freeze pop, one of those popsicles in a, in a, in a plastic bag. She goes, there you go. I'm going to the grocery store. Eat, suck on that until I get back, you know. And, and, and I said, I don't even like orange. I want cherry. And that's about as bad as it's got. I just had to wait a little bit till she got back. Now, we've not always had T-bones in the freezer. But God's taking care of us. 
God's used people in our lives to take care of us. I remember one of the first times, you know, going out to eat for us as a young married couple was maybe McDonald's once a month or if we're really living big, Taco Bell. You know, it, was, it wasn't often and it wasn't frequent. I remember a family said, we want to take you out to eat one night. And they showed up at our house in a limo took us out in a limo, took us to this fancy restaurant and said, we just want to be kind to you tonight and just give you something. We didn't know how to act, you know. It was just amazing, but you know, we've not always had that. And, and God's used people in our lives, but what I'm saying this, this morning is God will take care of you. It may not always be prosperity, but there will be provision. And then there's the promise of eternity, the promise of heaven. For those that know Christ as their Savior, for those that have been born again, we studied on Wednesday evening, we studied about heaven. Here's basically, I could summarize it like this. All the awful things that we have to endure down here will never be up there. Uh, John goes there in chapter 21 of Revelation, there's no more tears no more sorrows, no more pain, no more suffering. Oh, I look forward to those days. Never getting another uh, phone call in the middle of the night of an accident. Never getting another phone call and hearing a, a, a report of, 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 a, of, a, of a health condition or whatever it may be. Those will not exist in heaven. No, we have those promises. We have lots of good news, delightful news. There's dangerous days. There's delightful news. And then it comes down to this, a decision to be made. The remainder of our text is about these four lepers. Leprosy. Again, it's not something that's, maybe many of you in here aren't even familiar with it. Uh, I read a little bit about it, and today that if someone contracts leprosy, almost always it can be dealt with. It can be can, treated today. But in these Bible days, that was a death sentence. To get leprosy was, uh, it was a dangerous thing and, a, and an awful thing. It started with a little sore somewhere on your arm or on your foot or and just a little white sore. And when you saw that, you, you watched it. Because if it started to grow and it started to move, you knew that you were in trouble. It would affect you physically. This leprosy would, would spread across your skin. It would begin to take the extremities of your body. You'd lose fingers and toes and hands and feet and eyes and ears and nose. It was an awful physical disease. It was painful. But not just the physical consequence of this, but there was a social consequence. There was separation. Did you notice these men were outside the city? They were outside the gate. They were separated from their family, from their loved ones, from all people. The only ones they could commemorate with were other people with leprosy. They had to, if they went somewhere, they had to cry out, I'm a leper, a leper, to let those around them know what kind of condition they were in. And so here are these men, these lepers, and they've come to this point. Here we are with this disease. We're under siege. We're in a famine. We have nothing. If we go in, they're going to kill us. So let's do this. Let's just present ourselves to the Syrians, this army of people that have sieged around us. Let's just present ourselves to them. 
Maybe they're going to kill us. And if they do, we're getting out of this misery a little quicker. But perhaps they'll have mercy on us, they think. Perhaps they'll give us some food or something to help us. And so early in the morning, it says twilight, they made their way into, the, into this, this camp uh, of Syrians and they get to the very beginning of it and there's nobody there. They see tents, they see fires going, they see horses and they see donkeys and they see all this stuff, but they're looking around and there's nowhere. They continue their journey through this encampment and they're seeing nobody and finally they open a tent and it's empty. They open another tent and it's empty. And they said, there's nobody here. In one of those tents, somebody had been making breakfast. And there's eggs and bacon and biscuits. And they said, huh, let's go in. Probably not bacon. I don't know about that. But they go in and they eat the food that's in this tent. They look around. There's new clothes. They take the clothes. They find silver and gold and they go and they hide it. They get into a second tent and do the same thing. And then it dawns on them. What are we doing? We've just discovered amazing news. What are we doing just hoarding this to ourselves? We've got a city of people over here that are starving. We've got a city of people that are without. What are we doing? We've got to go and share the good news. Now you saw what happened. The king doesn't believe it. He's like, no way. This is a trap. They're waiting for us all to come out, and they go through their whole thing there. But what I want us to focus on this morning is this. These four lepers decided to share good news. In fact, they called it good tidings in our passage of Scripture here. The good news. Let me remind you. Leprosy in the Bible is always a picture of sin. And I'm looking out here today at every person, and myself included, and we've all been cursed by sin. Those men had to cry out, leprosy, I'm a leper, I'm a leper. And every one of us would have to cry out, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Listen, the psalmist said, In sin did my mother conceive me. Uh, uh, The Bible goes on to tell us in Romans chapter number 5 that because of Adam's sin, sin and death passed upon all men. This sin was passed down through us. You were born a sinner. You, 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 You participated. We are all sinners here today. As bad as leprosy was, as all the, the, the physical uh, conditions of this and the, the social dif- uh, conditions of this, the conditions and the consequences of sin are far worse. See, my sin, because I'm a sinner, it separates me from God. God is holy. He is sinless without sin. I'm a sinner, and because of that, I am separated from God. Now, I want you to know this today. This is what God desires with man. He wants a relationship with man. He wants fellowship with man. He wants union with man. He wants closeness with man. And the problem is sin. Sin blocks that. Sin hinders that what God desires. And whether you're a little sinner or you're a big sinner, 
We all have the same problem. Our sin blocks us from God. It's a huge problem. According to Romans chapter number 6, if I die in my sin, I'll be separated from God forever. Listen, the, 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 the soul of man will live on for eternity, either with God or apart from God. With him in heaven or separated from him forever in hell. It's a huge problem, but I'm grateful there's a cure. I'm grateful there's a remedy for our sin problem. It's nothing I could do. It's nothing you could do. It's not about being religious or a a church member. It's about what Jesus Christ did for us. God loved you so much, according to Romans 5, verse 8, that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect and sinless life, and yet he went to the cross where he paid the penalty for my sins and the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 that he actually became sin for us. My sin was removed from me and placed on Jesus. Your sin was removed from you and placed on Jesus that day. He became sin for us. And if we'll put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, here's what God does. He takes that sin and he removes it. And he allows you to have a relationship with God. Not because you deserved it or you earned it, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us. We call it grace. We call it the grace and mercy of God that he saves us. And he allows us to have this relationship. Oh, I trust today if there's someone here and you don't know what the term being saved or born again, you don't know if you've ever received Christ as your Savior Oh, you've come today and you feel the tugging in your heart. That's God saying, I love you and I want you. I want this with you. Oh, I trust today you'll not leave here without getting that settled once and for all. But for the Christian here today, those that are saved, those that are born again, you've received this good news. Will you share the good news? See, we have a theme this year of love, serve, And then reach. There's a world all around us that doesn't know the truth of Jesus Christ. Doesn't know that God loves them. Doesn't know there's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. And you've received that good news. Will you share it? Will you go and and, and deliver that message? What if today I, I had found out the cure to cancer? I, could, I, I, I figured out how to cure all forms of cancer. And I decided I'm never going to share it with anybody. Honestly, what would you think of me? It would be so selfish, wouldn't it? It would be ridiculous. Why would you do such a thing? Listen, there is a greater cure than the, the cure for cancer. And it's the cure for sin. And you're honored and you're privileged to have received that gift of salvation. That you've, that you've understood it. That God sought you. That you've been born again. What a, what a great privilege. Why would you not share it with somebody? Your neighbor. Your co-worker. Your family members. That, that, that individual that you don't even know but God brought across your path. Why would we not give to missions? Why would we not uh, uh, try our very best to get the gospel out as much as we can? And it comes down to this decision. 
Are you going to share the good news? And church, I am burdened in these last of the last days that we're living in. Our window of time is very brief. Between now and when the Lord's coming back, I believe his return is soon. We only have a short time left to tell as many people as we possibly can. And I trust today that your heart will be touched and burdened about our responsibility as a Christian, as a saved person, as a born-again person, to share the good news with someone. Why don't you start off with just a prayer, Lord, help me to reach one person this year. I mean, just think about that. Uh, there may be three, I don't know, 250 people, 300 people in here. Can you imagine if all of us just reached one person for the Lord? What an amazing thing that would be. What if we, someone gets to meet, reach someone in March? Doesn't mean you give up, you stop. I met, I met my quota for the year. You know what will happen? You reach somebody, one person, you'll be motivated like you've never been before. You'll want to reach that second person that third person. Church, we've got to get motivated. And I trust today you'll be motivated by what God has done for you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, these words, these thoughts are foreign to you. You're not sure what they mean. Oh, we would love to share with you. Just love to share with you from God's word what it means to be a sinner, to recognize the consequences of our sin, and that God loved you, and he paid the price for you. And if you'll, by faith, call on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's promised he would save you. It's the greatest message, the greatest news you could ever receive. Don't leave here today without letting someone share with you. In a moment, we're going to have what we call an invitation. We have heads bowed, eyes closed. A piano plays a song very uh, quietly. And it's an opportunity either there at your pew or perhaps even come into this altar today. To listen to God. The Lord's working in your heart, Christian. Would you be obedient to him today? If you're here today and you don't know Christ, would you come and find out about him today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Dangerous days with delightful news. Will you now make the decision to share that news you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, in just a moment when the piano begins playing, there's some people down here that could direct you. You can come see me. We want you to know. We want to share that truth with you. We'd invite you to come. Christian, you are saved today. Are you telling anybody about the good news you've received? Are you like those lepers that are in that tent and they're like, what are we doing? I've got to go tell somebody about this. Has God laid a person on your heart, a family on your heart? Why don't you come and pray about it today if he has. Father, I pray that you take this invitation now. Use this time, these moments for your honor and your glory. Help us to be obedient to you this morning in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand this morning? And as the piano begins to play, if the Lord spoke to your heart, would you respond to him this morning? The altar's available or there at your pew. But let's be obedient today. And again, if you're here without Christ or you're not sure, would you come today? Let us share the good news of Jesus Christ with you.